We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we get started with this message. Father, today we, we come to worship you, Lord, and we come to honor you and to bring our praises to you on this Lord's Day. And Lord, continue to help us to see the seriousness, the importance of the Sabbath. Uh, and we ask that you grant us to, the ability not to let the things of this world prevent us from keeping it set apart. Lord, it just puts joy in my heart to see all of my brothers and sisters gathered here today to worship you. And, and Lord, I know there are many in the community that don't know Jesus Christ. And my heart cries for those people to join us. That we, Lord, need to expand to fit them in here. Lord, for the truth is, if you were to come back today, many would perish and, and step into eternity separated from you. And God, I pray that you allow us as a church to impact this community with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you bless this day and this time and this service as we do all things unto you. Lord, we pray you bless us with your illumination of your word. Help us to see your truths, to transform us more into the image of Jesus Christ every day. Lord, challenge us and encourage us to to be men, women, and children of God for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. That we might become all things to all men, that we might win some to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you fill me and empower me this morning with the Holy Spirit. That you might use me, and that you might speak the truth through me clearly and urgently. For your word and for your truth's sake. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope that you've had a wonderful uh, week. We've had some nice, cool weathers. And I tell you, I can feel winter. It's coming. And I'm thinking, man, I, when I came to Montana from South Carolina, I liked the AC. And boy, I'm, I'm enjoying these cool nights. So, But what that cool night does bring is baptism. We better get in that water quick. As uh, Bill and Phyllis told me yesterday, the water's turning, it's getting cold, so we'll probably do a baptism in the next two weeks. So if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized, uh, we would love to have you join us in the next couple weeks to do that. And we'll have more information posted next week of exactly when that'll be. But uh, I hope you had a good week this week, and it's supposed to heat up this week, so enjoy the cool nights. And, and for those that have visited, we've been studying through the book of First Peter. We've been in it now for 18 weeks, and... We're just stepping into uh, chapter 4 of Peter's first epistle. And, um, and I tell you, it's been, a, it's been a challenge to listen to some of the messages. It's been a challenge to preach some of the messages. But God, I think in His great mercy and grace, has really given us great insight through this book. And, and I tell you, one of the things that, that we see going on today, I don't know how many of y'all uh, were able to, to see the great support that Chick-fil-A you know, coming from the South, uh, we eat Chick-fil-A on a regular basis. Uh, we love the, the company. We love their Christian values. And uh, August 1st, uh, we, my family and I were going to drive to Idaho Falls to support them because of their biblical stance on the traditional marriage of the Bible. But 
being my daughter about cut her toe off, I figured a four and a half hour drive wouldn't be good for her. And so we, we waited and prayed. And uh, boy, I tell you, many people across the United States stood up and supported not only biblical values, but our First Amendment rights. And I tell you, I'm excited to see what they do. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because the reality is Chick-fil-A and their stance on biblical uh, marriage, they're suffering for it. They're being persecuted for it. And it fits perfect into our lesson in which we'll look at today as Peter describes what it looks like to have a victorious Christian life. And my hope as a pastor of this church is that we can all become victorious Christians. Live victorious Christian lives. And God wants us to do that. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to conquer all of those things which we'll look at as well today. So out the delay, let's get right into the Word of God this morning. If you will, turn your Bibles with me to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Uh, those that are new to the Bible, just go all the way to the back, the book of Revelations, and thumb backwards, and eventually within a few books, you'll come right to the book of 1 Peter. So uh, turn with me this morning. We're looking at verses 1 to 6. Verses 1 to 6. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. If you don't have a Bible this morning, please follow along on the slides. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 says this, Therefore... Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousal, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached to even those who are dead. Though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. We need to remember as we read this passage of Scripture that Peter is speaking to persecuted Christians. They're going through hard times, they're going through sufferings, and those that have been present with us for the last 18 weeks, it's no surprise. I think every week I get up here and remind you that these Christians were killed for playful manner. They're under the leadership of Nero. This man lights Christians on fire to light up Rome. He plays sports with them and he kills them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And here Peter is writing this letter for them to be encouraged that if they are being killed for their faith, it's okay. He's encouraging them and he's admonishing them as followers of Jesus Christ and he's doing the same for us as well today as we read it. Today we see both the encouragement which Peter offers and also the admonishment Peter offers in this message. It's like peanut butter and jelly, they just go together. Three things that I want you to take from this message this morning that I think will help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ is number one, we should desire the attitude of Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, we should desire the will of God in our lives. And thirdly, we should desire the eternal hope that awaits us. Now these three points are something that I believe every Christian should desire. They should desire to copy, to reflect, to mimic the attitude of Jesus Christ. And we'll look exactly what that is. We should as Christians desire to follow, to know, to understand the will of God for our lives in Christ Jesus. And we should understand our eternal hope. We should desire to have, to take, to inherit our eternal hope. Now listen, the reality is, is eternal hope is for the believer. Eternal destruction is for those who are not believers in Jesus Christ. Now today I pray that if there is someone here that is an unbeliever, that they don't take that in a harsh way, but in an encouraging way. Because my prayer is that by the time you leave here today, that you will have an eternal hope. That Jesus Christ will transform your life. That He will deliver you from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And you can receive forgiveness by his sin, from your sins who are set apart by faith in Jesus Christ. This morning I want to take just a little time in each one of these things as we see believers, what believers should desire. That brings us to point number one. We should desire the attitude of Jesus. Well, I've seen a lot uh, about what Christ has done and is doing <clears throat> through our study on 1 Peter. And I hope that as you've been studying with this, through this with me, that you've been able to ponder some of these things. That you have been able to see some of the, the wonderful encouragement, the wonderful admonishment, the struggles, the challenges that we've faced but also that we see what Jesus' attitude looked like and how that is to reflect onto us. 1 Peter, if you remember in chapter 2, verse 21, says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His footsteps. Okay, And so we see this attitude of Jesus to come and to suffer for mankind. And now it is our purpose, our challenge as believers and followers of Christ to suffer also for the sake of Jesus as He suffered for us. We are called as Christians to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. He says also in verse 1, here in our passage this morning, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, that's the cross of Jesus Christ, that is the, the flogging, that's the beating, that's the mocking, all of that. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. When we see the word therefore, we need to ask ourselves, what? What is it there for? That's always an important aspect as we study Scripture, is to ask that question. He is taking us back to the previous verses in verse 8 to 12, where we saw the victories of our King Jesus, as He had victory over sin, as He had victory over hell, and as He had victory over death. So therefore, since Christ has had victory over all of these things, yes, He suffered, but He came out on top. 
And since He has suffered in the flesh, we are to arm ourselves with the very same purpose as our Lord Jesus has. Peter is making a statement here. He's saying, you who align yourself with Jesus Christ, those who claim Christ, because of what He did on Calvary and because of the suffering that He endured, therefore arm yourselves also with the very same purpose. Just as Christ has suffered, so you and I are called to suffer for His sake. Do you understand that we are to suffer unjustly for Jesus? Listen, we live in a culture in a, in a time where this is not popular. We, we don't like suffering. Nobody likes suffering. Who in the world wants to endure suffering? Well, Jesus did it on our behalf and we need to understand that we are called to suffer unjustly for our faith and for our, our King. Listen, I needed to hear that this morning. I don't know about you, but when you're persecuted as a Christian, it's encouraging to know that we are called to suffer unjustly. And let me tell you, whether you're on top of the mountain right now and everything's dandy in life, you're either headed down or you're headed up. And if you're headed down, this will be an encouragement to you when you're persecuted for your faith. When you're called a fool, when you're called an idiot for believing that God could create the world in just six literal days. When you stand up for the biblical view of marriage, let me tell you, we are in a time where this is going to be prevalent. The storm clouds are brewing for persecution in our country. More than I've ever seen it. And listen, I'm a young believer. I was only saved in 2001. But in the last five years, it's amazing the change that we've seen within people in our country. They are hatred toward Jesus Christ. Oh, you can talk about Allah, you can talk about the Mormons, you can talk about Jehovah's Witnesses, but talk about the name of Jesus Christ and you're persecuted, buddy. And so this morning I want to encourage you to stand up for your faith. We are called to suffer and so we need to ask ourselves, are we suffering for Christ? What is it that we're doing in our lives that suffer for Jesus Christ? When is the last time that you personally... Now, it's not my job to tell you you're not suffering for Jesus. It's my job to say, this is what Scripture tells us to do. Now, I want to challenge you to evaluate where you are in your walk with Jesus. And do you suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ? Because those that are in Christ will suffer for the King. Because He has given us an example to follow in His footsteps. I think... For the most part, Christians in America are okay without suffering. But listen, Peter tells us, he instructs us, he commands us, he, he places this in the imperative to arm ourselves with this very same purpose. Why in the world would be he telling us this? Why would he tell us to arm ourselves with the purpose of suffering? Listen, I've never been in the military, and while I have ministered within the military of the Marines, the Army, I've seen soldiers. As a matter of fact, if we want to talk about military, go to Israel for a couple of weeks and look at their people. You want to talk about arm yourselves, they are armed to the hill. Grenades, assault rifles, and they are ready for action. The word here in the Greek, 
And when we look at the word arm in English, gives the idea of a heavily armed soldier. And so Peter is telling us, just as a soldier wears clips and bombs and grenades and wears guns, so we should arm ourselves with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. While a soldier is armed with guns and other things, we are called to be armed with what? The Word of God. The Word of God. We have a famine in our land. Of the Word of God. People don't know the Word of God. And this is our very armor. This is our very sword. This is our very weapon to fight against the evil in this world. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's piercing as far as division of soul and spirit and both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, you want to be judgmental this morning? You better know the Word of God. Otherwise, you're judging with unrighteous judgments. Listen, the Word of God is our sword. It's our weapon. It's the only thing we have to stand on. It's the only roadmap we have. It's the only compass we have to direct our paths to where God wants us to be, not only as a people, but as a church. But not only that, the context is speaking here of Jesus Christ. The weapon that we are to make sure that we are arming ourselves with is the ability to endure unto death. To suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that's a powerful, powerful weapon. Because when you can suffer until death for the sake of Jesus Christ, you're irremovable. It doesn't matter what stands in front of you, that's okay. I worship a king that can handle it. One that is willing to die for what he believes in is dangerous. Because listen, when we see the value of giving up everything for the sake of our Savior Jesus... This is the death that produces the greatest victory for Christians. And even sometimes for unbelievers. What do I mean by that? Well, on January 8, 1956, a man by the name of Jim Elliott, and maybe you've heard of the story, him and four other guys gave up their lives to the Wadani Indian warriors as they went and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, or at least they tried to. And so, they were speared to death for their faith. And the funny thing about it is they had guns that they could have used, but they didn't. They gave up their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. I find it interesting, one of his quotes from October 28, 1949, from his journal, and it expresses his belief that missions is the most valuable thing in life, the most important thing that he could invest into during his life on earth. He said, and I quote this, he says this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, he knows. 
that his life can't be lost. Because he is sealed and encouraged through the power of Jesus Christ. And he can give up his life on this earth for the sake of Jesus, so that some might win, be won to Christ. It was this very testimony that his life was given up. And listen, it wasn't until later, after he gave up his life, that his wife went and ministered to the Wadani people. And many came to Christ. When they saw the love of these women to come back and give forgiveness to those that had persecuted their husbands and killed them, is when they came to know Jesus Christ. You see, there's power in suffering. There's power in enduring. And even sometimes beneficial for the unbeliever. He says, arm yourselves with the attitude of Jesus. To suffer unto death is to bring about victory. Listen, they can kill the body, but the soul will have victory. Because Christ conquered death, and He says, O death, where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Oh, He died in the flesh, but was made alive in the Spirit. It's important that we arm ourselves for the sufferings of Christ, because He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Does this teach us the doctrine of perfection? Now, as a pastor, I would never stand up here and say, I expect you to be a perfect Christian man or a perfect Christian woman because I can't ask you to do something I can't do. And the Bible tells us that no one will ever obtain perfection until we see Jesus Christ face to face. And so we're in the sin. We live in this sin. Jesus conquered sin that we might have victory. But we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. And therefore, when we do sin, we can repent and return our joy back to the Lord. And we can be in fellowship again. I don't find the idea that in Scripture we can have perfection. In fact, what does it say in 1 John 1.10? It says this, If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and the Word is not in us. And so my objective this morning is not to tell you that you will be without sin if you suffer for Christ. You may fail. Listen, you may even deny Him. A man could walk in this room right now with a pistol and he could threaten me. Denounce Jesus Christ. I'm going to send you to see Him. And I'd have a choice. But until I'm put in that situation, I can't tell you how I would react. I may fail, but look at Peter. He denied Jesus Christ three times. And here we're reading his book. You see, perfection is something that's obtained when we see Jesus Christ face to face. What Peter is saying is this. If you are suffering for righteousness, you have decided that you are done with sin. And you are standing up for the truth of God's Word. Look at Chick-fil-A. They took a stance on the biblical traditional view of marriage. And therefore, they are being persecuted for their faith, for their stance, because they stand on the truth of God's Word. And when you stand on the truth of God's Word, you put away sin. But just like anything else, you have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. 
And Christians, God wants us to choose what is right. He wants us to be righteous before Him. And so He encourages us, suffer. It's okay. The worst thing they can do is take you out of the flesh and you'll be present with me and forever eternity. Separated from pain and suffering and sin. Oh, what a joy it would be when we see our King face to face. Jesus in His death put away sin once and for all. And now when we give up our lives for Christ and we are brought forth unto Him, oh, we will no longer be a part of sin. You see, suffering is the key. Suffering is the key because unless you are willing to take up your cross daily and follow Him, He says you will not be worthy of Him. For those that are curious, that's Luke 9.23. If you want to live a victorious Christian life, we must arm ourselves to suffer, to be of right mind. Because many times, listen, your outlook on life will result in the outcome of it. The outlook of your life many times will become the outcome of it. We should desire the attitude of Jesus this morning and the rest of our walk here on this earth as Christians. But secondly, we should desire the will of God. We should desire the will of God. You see, the will of God is that you not live in sin. That you suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ via the context But when Jesus Christ was buried, so you were buried. When Jesus Christ suffered, you suffered. When Jesus Christ was killed, so you were killed. Look at verse 2, it says this, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. He's saying this, Christ wants us to live for the will of God. Not for the lust of flesh. That's what He's saying. You and me are called as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ to be different among everybody else in this world. And Jesus Christ in His triune ability is the one that can make that happen in your life and in my life and in everybody's life. You can try to attain it on your own. You can try to obtain it all alone. But until you give your problems, until you give your sins, until you give your victories, your shortcomings, your struggles to Jesus Christ, you will be beating the air as a boxer boxing the air. And you will become weary and tired. Are you here this morning with a sin that you can't kick? With a grudge that you can't get rid of. With an attitude that makes you miserable. Listen, Christ wants to set you free from that. That is not a picture of the victorious Christian life that He has called us to live. The light that He's called us to shine in the people is not those living in habitual sin, living lives that are miserable. We're to have joy and peace and hope to give, not live miserably. 
Christ wants to set you free this morning. Christ wants to deliver you from all of that. That you might have a pure joy in your heart and in your life that will make an impact. Not only in this community, not only in this church, not only in this state, not only in this country, but across the whole world. Because when we look like we have joy, when we truly have joy, we reflect that. We come off as a radiant light to those that are struggling. Listen, we're no different if we struggle. Listen, we all struggle. We all have financial struggle. We all have sin struggle. We all deal with everything that everybody outside these doors deal with. The only difference is how we respond to it. And when we have faith in Jesus Christ and He delivers us, boy, we make a testimony before man because we say, let me tell you what God did for me in my life when I had no money. Let me tell you how God provided for me and my family. They can't do anything with that. They can't persecute you for that. They can only say, he's got something I don't. When someone is diagnosed with cancer, they praise to God, I'm, I'm going to see him soon. They don't know how to deal with it. Because we are to be different. Filled with unexpressible joy no matter our circumstance. He wants to set you free. Free from addictions. He wants to set you free from marital issues. He wants to set you free from sin, financial problems. But listen, He will not force His grace and His mercy upon you. Because the, free, the same free will that He gave Adam and Eve, when He said, from, listen, you may eat from any tree, but from this tree you may not eat. For in the day you eat, you will surely die. He gave them that free will, and He gives you the free will to choose Him or reject Him this morning. Will you accept Him or decline Him? Will you be for Him or will you be against Him? Peter is calling you to no longer live in the lust of the flesh, but to finish out your walk obeying the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is that you give thanks in all things. Pray without ceasing. You see, when we give thanks in all things, it doesn't matter our circumstances. Our circumstances don't dictate where we are in Jesus. It doesn't dictate our joy in the Lord. Listen, I'm reading newspaper articles about the voice of the martyrs. And this lady's telling me a story about how these Muslim men broke into their house, separated from their family, beat their father to death, and shot him. And yet she's firm in her faith. You see, we come across a little financial situation and we want to fall to pieces. We, we get a little bad news about work and we want to fall to pieces. You see, we need to remember that when we expect to suffer unjustly 
in this world, then we're expecting it. And when we expect it, then we can say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But I will praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Peter is calling us to no longer live in these lusts. If you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It may be quicker. Romans 6, 8 through 11 reads this. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. If we have died with Christ, we also believe that we will live with Him. Maybe not right this second, but one day when we die in the flesh, we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in us. One day we will be with the King. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, we already saw that He had victory over death. He resurrected from the dead. Never to die again. He was placed at the right hand of the Father and He was given dominion over all things. Death no longer is master over Christ because He conquered it. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. He died to the flesh. He doesn't have to answer to the flesh. He lives to God because now He reigns with the King, Father. But listen to verse 11. It says, Even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but made alive to God in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus Christ has died, so you and I and everyone who claims to follow Jesus Christ to be a Christian has died to sin. Think about it. If I were to kill over right now in this pulpit, it would probably be a devastating thing. We pray that don't happen. But the example is going to follow. If I were to die and you were to take me and put me in the grave and put me down and cover up the box, well, not cover it up with dirt yet because I still want you to try to talk to me. And you walked up to that box and you looked down and all the old shell of old Stuart Guthrie's down in that, in that ground. And you said, Pastor, hey, I want you to marry me next week. If you said, hey, pastor, hey, I want you to call every member of the church this week to encourage them. If, if you said, pastor, I want you to play this video for the whole church to see on Sunday, okay? I wouldn't answer you. Because I'm dead. You could ask me, but it won't get done. Listen, you were dead to sin. I am dead to sin. Because Jesus Christ has had victory over it. And so when the devil calls you, when sin asks you to, hey, watch that video. When that sin asks you, hey, hold a grudge against your brother in Jesus Christ. When sin asks you to talk about this man, talk about this woman, when friends talk about other friends, when it asks you to do that, listen, you have a choice to make. Because if you're truly dead to sin, you don't have to answer it. Because you're dead to it.
Just as if I was in that grave, I was dead to the flesh as well. And I wouldn't have to answer. Listen, we have choices to make. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to God. You see, he says here, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin. But who are you made alive in? God. And so when God talks to you, you better answer. When the Word of God speaks to your heart, don't get mad with me. Answer God. Say, you know what? The convictions of the Holy Spirit, sometimes they stink. But when I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, i got two choices. Tune them off or turn them up and listen to them. You know, when my three-year-old, we were going to the wedding yesterday at Tim's, and this is off notes, I think it's okay to say this, but as we were going to Tim's, he, Caleb was riding with us, and he was Caleb like, what are you saying? We couldn't understand what he said. You know why? Because he's not in tune with it. Mama knew what he said. Daddy knew what he said because I listened to him. I know what he says. And listen, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, don't let it be like a three-year-old you've never been in touch with. I, I hear something, but I can't. No, listen clearly because the Holy Spirit's the one that convicts people's hearts. It's how we become transformed into Jesus Christ through His Word and through His teaching. Listen, don't answer to sin. You're dead to it, brother and sister. Be encouraged because Jesus Christ made that victory for our lives. Let me get back on my pages, sorry. Chick-fil-A. They don't have to listen to the world. Oh, the world can scream blah, 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 blah. But it's like the old cartoon, womp, 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 womp. They don't have to listen to it. Because those owners are dead to sin and made alive in Jesus Christ. Listen, take their business. Take their profit. But they are slaves to Jesus Christ and not this world and neither are we. And we need to stand up. And we need to be against sin in our own lives and in the lives of our brothers. We need to say, brother and sister, I love you. And so I'm going to tell you what you're doing is not godly. But listen, we better not do it in an ungodly way. You better read Romans chapter 2 verses 1 to 6. You better take the speck out of your own eye like it says in Matthew 7 before you start removing the log out of your brother's eye or your log out of your eye and trying to remove the speck out of his. We have this idea, judge not lest you be judged. That's the popular, you know, scripture memorization of all people. Judge not lest you... Listen, don't... Paul Washer says, twist not scripture lest you be judged by God. Understand the context. We're to watch out for one another. That's what we're... Listen, my brother has my back. Now, he's 40 hours away, but when I was there, if something happened, he had my back. And I need to have your back, and you need to have my back. I've had people in my office saying, say, Pastor, I didn't think you did this the right way. You know what? Thank you. I need to be pointed at sometimes. I need to be held accountable for the way I act, the things I do, the things I say. But listen, don't get so mad when I come to you and say, Brother and sister, hey, I love you, so I'm going to tell you. You need to do this, or you should do this. You need to pray about this. We need to hold each other one accountable because we're, none of us should be alive to sin. We should be dead to it. That doesn't mean we're never going to fall into it. I wouldn't teach legalism, but let's not confuse legalism with obedience. 
Verse 3 says, For the time has already passed. It's sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousal, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Listen, he's saying this, this past life that you had at one time is a closed book. You've already spent enough time acting like the pagans. That's what he's saying when he says Gentiles. He's saying, you spent enough time acting like the pagans. Look, my dad, when he was saved, and he was asking, how are you going to tithe? Are you going to tithe to the Jehovah's Witnesses? Or are you going to tithe to where you're going to church now? He said this, I've given my money, my life, and my time to the devil long enough. And I'm not going to do it anymore. You see, his past was sufficient for all the time he spent separated from God, living in paganism. He had plenty of time to carry that out. But now he's alive differently. He lives a different lifestyle. Sharing his faith with unbelievers, sharing his faith with his wife, who has now stepped out of that cult and now stepped into a life with Jesus Christ. He's sharing his faith with his family and he no longer lives to sin but is alive to the one true God. Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah. As a late bloomer, Christian, I was saved only a few years ago in 2001. Now, every year it seems to get longer and longer away from that. I waste away many years of my life as an unbeliever. And I've been called to a different lifestyle. I had many years to live life like a pagan, doing all of these things that He calls us not to do. And I am so grateful that God in His great mercy spared my life and now I want to live life that brings honor to Him. No longer living lives that bring dishonor by being in the flesh, desiring the lust of the flesh, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousal, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. He is saying people are trying to live lives in pursuit of sensual, physical, bodily pleasures. Now listen, we all get in that road at some point. We all desire to live for the flesh at some point. But remember, we're dead to sin. We don't have to answer to it. We can, we can quote Scripture back to Him because it's our sword. It's our armor in which we're to suffer for Jesus Christ. And we can say, I'm not going to do that. Sinful passions that drive us to lust. For drunkenness. Listen, this world wants to offer you happiness in a bottle. Okay? Uh, me and my wife were watching the news the other night, local news. And you know, it's real funny because here on the news, they talk about there's a wildcat stalking somebody. Back home, they say somebody got shot. <laughs> you know, somebody stole something. But nah, they, they got wildcats attacking dogs and stuff. But we're watching the news together, and it said that Montana holds the, the youth in Montana number one across the board for drugs and alcohol. 
Now I know it gets cold here and it snows a lot and there's not a whole lot to do. But listen, we need to be reminded clearly that drunkenness, drinking parties, this is not for the godly people of this world. You can argue all you want that it's okay to, to drop a few bottles down. But listen, I've never met a man or a woman filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that desires to be part of any of that mess. And I've never seen good that comes from it. Just look at their commercials. It tells you what it results in. Pleasures of this world. You know, the Bible talks about it. It says, do not look on wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. That's speaking of fermentation. Noah became drunk, it says, and the result was immorality and family trouble. Remember Lot? He was so drunk that he did not know what he was doing and it led to immorality. Listen, Peter is saying that this, that this past life stuff of drunkenness and drinking parties and sexual immorality and all of these things has no place within the Christian life. In the abominable idolatries that he talks about is worshiping false gods. And you know in our day and age, the world offers false gods all around. It doesn't have to be a little guy with a halo around his head to be God. God is anything that you worship that takes you away from the one true God. Any sport, any entertainment, any material pleasures can be idolatry. What is it that grasps your focus? We need to make sure, as Peter instructs us, put them away we lived in the past. He says, live differently than these old times when you lived as a pagan. And you can, folks. You can live differently through the power of Jesus Christ. But you have to make a choice to either serve sin or serve the will of God for your life. You should desire the will of God. But thirdly, lastly, and quickly, we should desire eternal hope. Listen. We can talk about sin. We can talk about judgment. We can talk about dying in the flesh. But you leave this out, we got no hope. The eternal hope is what we need to look forward to. It's encouraging to those suffering for Christ. Think about it. If you left here today and, and you were worried that somebody watched you walk out of the doors because you're a Christian, that they would kidnap you and murder you, wouldn't this eternal hope give you encouragement to say, you know what, let them get me. I'm going to be with Jesus. Is heaven enough reality to you to stand firm on Jesus Christ? Peter now finishes with these two verses. He says, in all of this, they are surprised that, do, that, that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you but they will give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been treat, preached, even to those who are dead. And though they are judged in the flesh, as men, they are made alive in the Spirit according to the will of God. Listen, when you don't join in with your buddies in sin, 
when you don't go out drinking and partying with them, and you don't run with these people who are pagans, these the word that's used here for 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 running together is, is kind of like a herd of cattle. You know, you spook them, they all run together real tight like buffalo or whatever the case may be. And so when you don't run together with these folks, Peter says they're surprised. Now listen, when I come to know Jesus Christ, I lost a lot of friends and they were surprised. You're a pa- You're what? You're a pastor? Dude, you're a pagan. I was. But I'm saved by grace. And we should be surprising to those people. The question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Listen. Are we, do, do we look any different? Do we look any different than the rest of the world? Do they, do they, are they surprised? Are they going, you know, uh, this dude's a godly man. I mean, he reads the Word, he studies, he goes to church, he shares his faith, he gives to the needy, he gives to the poor, his house is open for whomever wants to come in. Do they look at that and say they're surprised? Or do they go, I'm, I'm surprised that, that he goes to church on Sunday. Because what I see in the workplace looks much different than what he's proclaiming on Sunday. The question is, do we look any different? Do we as Christians look different than the rest of this world in which we live in? Listen, Christ, when He saved you, if you indeed have been saved... You, when He changed you, you should have been surprised to people. What's wrong with that man or woman? He's acting like he's a holier-than-thou kind of guy. Oh, he's 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 caught on himself. He he all talks about the Bible, you know, that that guy's a holy roller. Listen, the reality is, is... I I find it entertaining when somebody calls me a holy roller. Amen. I am. I am a holy roller. I'm a Bible thumper. I am. Because it's the Word of God and it's the only thing I have to stand on is truth. And we should all look different. When people look at you as self-righteous, it may be, brother and sister, that you are truly changed in Jesus Christ. Because we're living in a culture that does not look and reflect the image of Christ. And everybody's a Christian, cultural Christians. And we need to be much more than that. Because when we are transformed, when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts and into our lives, He says, the old is gone and behold, the new is present. And if you're still driving the same old car when you got a brand new one sitting in the driveway, it don't make no sense. Sometimes we like to jump back in our old self and live. But the Bible says we need to be different. We need to live according to the will of God. People should be surprised. And when they're not, we need to question ourselves. And when you're persecuted for being a holy and godly man or woman, listen, you stand firm and you don't worry about it. You still serve them. You still love them. You still pray for them. Even those who persecute you. Because, listen... It may be that they don't see that much change in themselves. And it bothers them. And so the only thing you can do is say, you're holier than thou. But brothers, sisters, stand firm in the faith. Because we're coming to a time where it's going to be tough. I don't, I don't find it surprising that God led me to First Peter. As all of the persecution that we're seeing in America, 
It's going to get worse. It's going to come from within our doors. When they speak badly of you, the Bible says you're blessed, remember? Let them have their joy, their entertainment. Because I would rather suffer and fail at something I know is going to succeed in the end rather than succeed and be victorious in something that will fail in the end. Look at Jesus Christ. Oh, you're the Messiah, huh? Come down off that cross and save yourself. They persecuted Him. They told Him, oh, you think you're holier than we are. We're the Pharisees. We're righteous men. But Jesus went to the cross at Calvary like a silent lamb. And when we go before men, we will be persecuted. But we need to remember, our will is God's will, and that's to suffer for Christ. Verse 5 says, listen, let them have their entertainment because this, He is ready to judge them. He is ready to judge the living and the dead. Even those that are dead, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable, God says in Romans 3.19, you may suffer for Christ, but we have a hope of eternal life in Jesus. And this morning that should encourage you as a believer and follower of Jesus that one day we will step into the presence of our King and we will no longer have this, have this battle of sin in our lives. But those that mock you rejoice for the Lord is the righteous judge. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. God is the righteous judge and He will judge them on His own account. For they will live in the Scripture according to the will of God. Which side are you on this morning? Are you on the persecuting side? Or are you on the side of the victorious Christian life? There is victory in the Lord. And though you may seem to be the loser here, one day we will be victorious as Christians when we stand before Christ. Chick-fil-A, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Christian brothers and sisters, stand firm and consider sufferings a blessing and know that they can't last very long. Let us pray.